know there are always for you, but I have become more and more convinced as the service has gone on that if it's only one person, it's okay. If it's only one person, God has somebody in mind this morning. And he sent a special message just to you. Maybe it's everybody, maybe it's half of you, I don't know, but I do know this. I know the full certainty that somebody in here this morning, you're here for a reason. God has something special for you. If you want to turn in your Bible to the book of Psalms, and if you'll open it to the 91st Psalm, Psalm 91 is a, is a little bit different from some of the others. It's called one of the orphan psalms. We don't know who wrote it. We don't have an intended purpose as to what it's about. For example, when, when David wrote Psalm 51, there was a reason for the song. It tells us up front, the prophets come to him. He's been called out on the sin with Bathsheba, and he wrote an incredible prayer. If you need a prayer to pray for your life, just open Psalms 51 and claim it as your prayer. There was a reason for why the psalm was written. Many times there, there's Intended groups of people whose psalms are, are written to. For example, Psalm 72 is, is a psalm of Solomon. You get to 73 and then through 83, it calls those the psalms of Asaph. When, when you get over to Psalm 86, it is a prayer of David. 87 and 88, it says, was written to the sons of Korah. Uh, uh, you get to Psalm 89, it is a psalm of the Davidic covenant. You get to Psalms 90, it is a prayer of Moses that is written about the eternal God and about mortal man. But then we come to Psalm 91. No author, no intended purpose. One of the interesting things as I was studying and looked back that stood out to me, one of the things that's interesting about Psalm 91 is the devil knew it. The devil had it memorized. Matter of fact, the devil even used it. He used it as he always uses the word of God in his deceitful, distorted ways. But it is one of the passages that he used when he attempted to tempt Jesus Christ in the wilderness. So we know that the devil hates it enough to try to turn around and use it. And if he tried to use it to deceive Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, if he used it to try to knock Jesus off the mark, if he used it to try to knock the Messiah out of the will of the Father, he's going to use it against you and I. Just like he always has. So we don't know who wrote it. We don't have an intended purpose. And we don't have a specific group of people. So those are things that we don't know. But I want to talk just a minute before I read it about the things that I do know. I do know that the word of God tells me, 2 Timothy 3.16, that all scripture is given by inspiration from God. That means that everything in this book is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Every word from in the beginning at Genesis to amen and revelation is inspired of the Holy Spirit of God. Regardless of what hand penned it, regardless of what name may have been put there, everything in this book is written by God's Holy Spirit. And the fact that he handed it to me without addressing any group of people tells me that the Holy Spirit wrote Psalm 91 and he put it in this book for those that would be at Faith Baptist Church in live or in live stream for today. 
And also because there's not an intended purpose, it doesn't tell us what's going on in this person's life. It doesn't tell us if there's been a year of a pandemic. It doesn't tell us if there's been a year of adversity and problems. It doesn't tell us if he's been facing sickness and disease. And because it doesn't tell us what was going on at the time, that tells me that it was written for such a time as this. So what I know is that the Holy Spirit of God wrote Psalm 91 for you and I for such a time as this. So I want to read the entire chapter, Psalm chapter 91. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall by thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand. But it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion, the adder, the young lion, and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet. And then God says here, to all of those who put their trust in him, to all of the, those who come wholeheartedly and put all their faith in him, because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me. And I will answer him. I'll be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Father God, thank you so much for taking the time in history to sit down and write a love letter to us. Thank you for taking time to sit down and write a personalized letter to myself and to all those that will hear this morning, for all those that will take time to open this book and read it, for sending us a love letter to tell us how much, you, how much you love us, how much you care, what you're wanting to do for us, what you will do for us, if we'll just abide in the secret place in the shadow of the Almighty. God, I ask you this morning, Father, to do your perfect will, God. I pray you do what only you can do and move upon every heart in this place, every ear that's listening by way of live stream, However they may hear the message, God, I'm asking you, may your spirit, the one that wrote this book, may you speak to the hearts of your children. We love you, God. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious, sweet, and holy name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. I want to start out by reading a couple of articles, if you don't mind. I want to read one. It's from a, an article. It's from a magazine called The Roll Call. This was published just a few months into the pandemic. It says, officers in Los Alamos, New Mexico, were called to check on an individual earlier this year. And after breaching the door, they realized that they were too late. One of our suicides we had just barely missed, said Oliver Morris, operations commander for the Los Alamos 
Police Department who conducted countless checks as an officer for almost 17 years. Like many other Americans during the pandemic, the person had begun to work remotely, Morris said. His co-workers asked police to go and check on him. The suicide rate has tripled in that community during the pandemic. The problem isn't limited to that community. Cook County, Illinois, Fresno, California are among those reporting similar spikes with suicides up 13% in Cook County so far compared to the same period last year. In Fresno, suicides were up 70% higher in the month of June of 2020 than in the same month of 2019. The nation's suicide rate has reached historic highs in the COVID-19 pandemic with rates the highest levels since World War II. Economic and social pressures this year have heightened the risk, worrying experts, health officials, and lawmakers. Suicide mortality rates that were rising over the past two decades combined with the current pandemic are a perfect storm, found a study published in the Journal of American Medical Association in April. Factors include economic stress, social isolation, reduced access to religious services, overall national anxiety, Increased firearm sales and increases in health care provider suicides. We have people who don't know how to feed their family. They've not had that thought for a very long time. That's different than the last recession, said American Psychiatric Association President Jeffrey Jeller. There are masses of people who are quite worried today because they don't know what's going to happen to their benefits. That kind of anxiety heightens fragility. I'm not sure why they'd use fragility. Why don't they just put people that are easily broken, people that are easily torn down, weak, and susceptible to failure. But the article goes on. It says the National Alliance on Mental Illness Helpline has seen a 65% increase in calls and emails since March, according to the organization, even though they're not a crisis hotline. Still early for government data from the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention, but some experts point to similar rises in suicide death during other health crises and economic recessions. Suicide increased in the United States during the influenza pandemic, 1918 and 1919, and in 2003 in the older populations in Hong Kong during the SARS epidemic. A 2019 study in the International Journal of Social Psychiatry looking at the 2008 economic crisis found that a financial crisis can lead to more suicides. Suicide is more likely to become a more pressing concern as the pandemic spreads and has longer-term effects on the general population, the economy, and vulnerable groups. Preventing suicide, therefore, needs to be an urgent consideration, wrote University of Bristol suicidology expert David J. Gunnell in the June issue of The Lancet. The pandemic will cause distress and will leave many people vulnerable to mental health problems and suicidal behavior. Mental health consequences are likely to be present for longer and peak later than the actual pandemic itself. CDC Director Robert Redfield also commented in July on a spike in suicides. There's been another cost that we've seen, particularly in high schools. We're seeing, sadly, far greater suicides now than we are deaths from COVID. We're seeing a far greater deaths from drug overdose than we are from COVID, said Redfield. But experts also say it's too early to draw conclusions without solid data. That was written in the early stages of the pandemic. That, that was written um, last summer before they really knew much. Here's what they claim that they did know that we saw from the early stages is that 
COVID-19 is, is a more intensified target concerning the elderly. It, it is more life-threatening to those who have pre-existing conditions or other medical conditions that it can attach to and make things worse. So what they said going into what we see is that, you know, basically the young people are bulletproof, right? I mean, you guys don't have to worry about it. You get it. It's kind of like the flu and, and you go on with life and it's not going to bother the young people. But what they're finding out is that the isolation is killing them. September 11th, 2020, USA Today posted an article the title was Youth Suicide Rates Increased Dramatically. I'm not going to read that article, but I do want to read one more to you. November 23rd, 2020 from the Washington Post. For months, he helped his son keep suicidal thoughts at bay. Then came the pandemic. I could see the storm coming, says the father. The surviving family of Christian Robbins tries to celebrate his life daily. His father visits the grave every day, and every day Ted Robbins asks himself the questions that have plagued him since the night his 16-year-old son killed himself one month into the pandemic. What if Robbins hadn't canceled the family vacation due to the pandemic? What if the school hadn't closed down? And what if his son Christian could have leaned on his best friends through this rough patch as he had done in times past? It's the one question that haunts him the most. What if the pandemic had never happened? Would my son still be alive? As the pandemic continues into the holiday season, rates of anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation are rising. Since the coronavirus arrived, depression and anxiety in America have become rampant. Federal surveys show that 40% of Americans are now grappling with at least one mental health or drug-related problem. Young adults have been hit harder than any other age group, with 75% of them now struggling. Even more alarming, when the Center of Disease Control and Prevention recently asked young adults if they had thought about killing themselves in the past 30 days, one in four said yes. 25% of the high school people and college-age people around you have seriously considered suicide in the past 30 days. The number of people who said they have seriously considered suicide in the past 30 days has increased most dramatically among the youngest adults, ages 18 to 24. So the bottom line is this. There is no generation, there's no gender, there's no race, there's no nationality, there is no group of people who has not been affected by the pandemic. But there are those children of God. There are those who have the ability to carry on through it. I want to bring a message this morning on the shadow of the Almighty. COVID-19 isn't the only storm that we're facing. Cancer hasn't gone away. Families dealing with family members with Alzheimer's hasn't gone away. Heart disease still hasn't gone away. Mental illness still hasn't gone away. Family problems, all the things that we deal with, all of the, the financial storms, all of the daily struggles of life haven't gone away. The psalmist here in this passage doesn't exclude any of those. He doesn't write those things off. He doesn't try to avoid those things. At no point does he ever insinuate that we will not go through those things. 
But what he says is, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him will I trust. GW, you over there? I need some help this morning. GW is going to help me out. He that dwelleth in the secret place. He that, that dwelleth is everyone. So what we have is a universal proposition that is designed to cover every condition. So no matter what you're facing, no matter what you're dealing with, no matter what life has handed you, no matter how big or how small it may seem to you or anyone else around you, this is a universal deal that is designed to help everyone in the secret place under the shadow of the Almighty. For those of us who dwell in the secret place, verse number 4 says, He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and thy buckler. So I wanted GW to come and help me see if he might let us see the, the benefits of those who dwell in the shadow of the Most High. That word dwell there literally means to sit. So as to sit in the shadow of the Most High. How, how many of you have ever dealt with an issue? How many of you have ever tried to handle the issue yourself? We're type A's, right? Nothing can stop us. We'll work this out. We know how to figure it out. We just keep on trying. Keep on trying. Financial storms, we just try to get another job. We pull stuff out of savings, everything we can. We keep paying bills. But finally, the time comes when everything is gone. The bills are due and there ain't a dime left to your name. Sooner or later, God will sit us down. It's so much easier to take our problems to start with. Whew. And just sit in the shadow of the Almighty. Whew. When we sit down and we begin to pray in the shadow of the Almighty. When we sit down and we open His Word and we just begin to read God's Word hidden in the shadow of the Almighty. We are hidden from the enemy. When I sit down in the shadow of the Almighty, the enemy can't find me here. The enemy has no way to get to where I am. We are under his wings and his truth, the Bible says, shall be thy shield and thy buckler. I can't stay sitting right here. I got to get up. I got to preach. I, I need somebody that needs to sit in the shadow of the Almighty for a minute. I need you to come sit up here for me. I need somebody to come sit in my place. I, I, need, I need somebody. I don't care. I need a volunteer. Somebody, somebody come. I got one coming. I got three coming. <laughs> I guess that shadow, I should have made it big enough for all three of you. You know, I remember, before I get the message, I was just thinking, I remember a song. 
Remember Kim and Miss Faye and Pastor Charles. They had two favorite songs. One was Jerusalem. I love that song. They sang it. There was a group of women, an ensemble, that sang a song. It was called Under His Wings. My soul shall abide, safely abide forever. But there's a verse in that song. It says, the enemy still looks for me. But what he can't see is that I'm under my Lord's wings. Maybe that's next week's message. The Hebrew word for refuge, according to Strong's Concordance, is makasa. It means a shelter. It means hope. It means a place of refuge. And it means trust. Those are the things that the psalmist says the Almighty is for those who put our life in his hands. The word shelter, according to Webster's 1828 dictionary, that which defends, it is to be sheltered from the storm. To be sheltered is the state of being covered and protected. The shelter is he that defends or guards from danger. He protects from danger to secure and to render safe through the storm. It finishes by saying that the shelter is hope, it is refuge, and it is trust. The thing that stands out the most to me in that very lengthy definition that is given is the part right there at the end where it says to render safe through the storm. At no point does it talk about getting us out of the storm. Does it talk about delivering us where we don't have to walk through the storm? But what it does say is for those who put their trust and live in the shadow of the Almighty is that God will carry us through whatever the storm is. The word hope that's used here is a word according to Webster. It means confidence in a future event. The highest degree of well-founded expectation of good as a hope founded on God's gracious promises. That's right out of Webster. It's not the word hope like those who waste their money to buy a scratch-off and say, I hope I win millions of dollars like that's ever going to happen. The, the word means based on knowledge of the things that I have been given. Based on the evidence that has been placed before me, I know what is going to happen as surely as if it has already happened. That's what that word hope means. Then we have the word fortress. It comes from the Hebrew word masu. Let me give you the definitions of this Hebrew word. It is a net, a castle, a defense, a fort, a fortress. It is a stronghold or it is a strong place. So... The Lord is my refuge and my fortress. The word net, when I make mistakes, anybody ever made a mistake in your Christian life? Anybody ever did a sin? We talked about it before, and, and you knew what you did was wrong. What God is, when I'm in the shelter of the Almighty, when I make mistakes, when I fall, He is my net that will catch me. He's not a snare trying to catch me to make me fall. He is my safety net to catch me when I fall. Pick me up, set my feet back on a path, and help me make better decisions in my future. It says that He is my castle. That means a little prayer when I lay me down to sleep. When I go to sleep at night, if I go to sleep under the shadow of the Almighty, He is my 
castle. Castle is defined as a house fortified for defense against the enemy. I can lay down and sleep because I know that with the Lord as my castle, no enemy can rise up against me and prevail. He is my defense, my protection, my security, and my confidence. All definitions of the word. He is my fort and my fortress. A fort is a fortified place that provides protection from the enemy for all those who are within its walls. A fortress is a stronghold, a place of defense with absolute security. What that means is he covers me. He protects me. He shelters me. He provides for me. He shadows over me and puts a shield all around me. He is my financial fortress. He is my, my, my daily bread. He is the one who meets my every need. He is my shelter in the middle of the storm, my strength in a time of need. He is my faith that will not waver. Nothing can overcome him. Nothing can overpower him. Nothing can defeat him. Nothing can get by him or around him when I am covered under the shelter of the Almighty. The enemy will seek for me. He's going to keep looking for me. He's going to keep trying to tear me, to tear me down. But when I'm hidden under the Lord's wings, he can't find me. So when we choose to put him as our fortress, he'll be our confidence and he'll be our shield. Verse number five says, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. I want to make sure you understand that. Anybody see the movie 300? Anybody see Mulan more recently? Then y'all aren't going to know what I'm talking about. You're just going to have to listen to the picture. So in, in, in the 300, you have the 300 men there down in the plain, and you have the armies of thousands up on the hill. And what the armies of thousands do is the same thing that Satan does to you and I. He fires his darts at God's children. And what they do is they all of thousands of archers at one time launch their arrows into the air. And it is nothing but a cloud of impending death that is coming down on those in the valley. Now what they did was they all gathered together and put their shields together and made like a hut that the arrows bounced off of. That is a perfect illustration of he who abides in the shadow of the Almighty. The enemy will fire his darts. They will bounce off his back. The scripture says that thousands will fall around you. Ten thousands will fall to your right hand. But none of them can harm you. When you're in the shadow of the Almighty. The text goes on and says, Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. Because thou hast made the Lord, even the most high, thy dwelling place. That means that I have chosen to make my bed with the Lord. I have chosen to live my life with the Lord. I have chosen to walk every day through every storm and every trial and every tribulation in every situation, no matter what comes, I have chosen to dwell in the Father's house and to live my life with Him. Yes, Lord. Because of that, 
Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night. Verse 5 says it may be a terror of darkness. It may be a terror of the enemy in the daytime. Verse 6 says it may be a terror of disease. It goes on and says it may even come at high noon. It may be a, a destruction in, in noonday. But what he says is it doesn't matter when. Doesn't matter where. Doesn't matter what. Doesn't matter how. Nothing can touch us when we're shielded under the shadow of the Almighty. The enemy cannot get through to you. I don't have time to get off into Job or I would. But you see that when Satan came and God asked him, where are you going? He said, oh, to and fro about the earth. He says, hast thou considered thy servant Job? J.B. used it as an illustration on Wednesday night. And the devil said, I can't do anything to him. You have a hedge about him. He is under your wings. He is in the shadow of the Almighty. I can't do anything to him. And God said, okay, we'll give you some opportunities. What that tells me is when I'm in the shadow of the Almighty, nothing can happen except God allows it. The psalmist uses four names here for God. In this one passage, one of the names that he uses here, all of these are names of God. They're used throughout Scripture. They all have specific meanings. They all have specific purposes there are several names for God but he uses four of them just right here in the opening part of this passage the first one is Elion El Elion is the most high God he is possessor of everything he is owner has clear title and ownership to everything that exists he said for those of us who put our trust in him there is a hiding place the next word he uses is El Shaddai. El Shaddai is where it says the Almighty. The Almighty is provision. That means God is my provision. God is your provision. No matter what it is that you need, because he is the owner of everything, he is able to provide us with anything. The third one he uses is the Lord. The, the word here for the Lord is Jehovah. Jehovah is the most powerful word in the Hebrew language when it comes to the Hebrew people. Matter of fact, if you take the name, I'll just give you this real quick and we'll move on. If you take the name Jehovah, in the Old Testament, you had the scribes and the Pharisees. They weren't always the bad guys. They are in the place. Sorry, brother, we came in at the wrong time. They weren't always the bad guys. The Pharisees are the teachers of the law. They're the ones that God was giving understanding of the word. They're the ones that God was giving understanding of the book and helping to explain it to the people. They were the teachers of the law. But then you had the scribes. The scribes are not only the teachers of the law, they are the keepers of the law. They're the ones who had to take the word and write it. They didn't have printing presses. They didn't just print out Bibles. God's word had to be kept to perfection. It had to be kept on sheepskins according to the law that was given to Moses. And the, the sheep had to be a, a young lamb, unspotted, pure white. It could have never been touched by Gentiles' hands. So even the sheep was within the law. It had to be prepared by the scribes themselves. They had to take that skin, prepare that skin, and make it a scroll that they could keep the law and write it over onto a new one so that there'd be a new copy of God's law. Now, here's, here's, what, here's how you rewrite something, right? He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High 
shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He that abideth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. They could not do it that way. It was forbidden for a scribe to try to work off memory. Here's how he had to translate. He had to have the, the scroll here. He had to have the blank slip here. He had to have his quill, and he had to have an ink. Even the ink is given a special recipe in the law of Moses of how they had to make the ink to be able to write the law of God. He had to dip his little quill into the ink, and he had to pronounce out loud the word and the letter. He H-E, granted it was in Hebrew, it'd be different, but y'all work with me. I can't speak Hebrew and you can't either, so I'm going to stick with what we got. He, H-E, he, H-E, that, T-H-A-T, that, T-H-A-T. He had to pronounce each word and each letter as he wrote it. A misspelled word was an imperfection. The manuscript had to be thrown away. No letter could touch another letter. If a letter touched another, that was a mistake. Three mistakes on one page in the entire manuscript had to be thrown away. God was very specific about how he wanted his word preserved so that he could hand it down for over 2,000 years and hand Faith Baptist Church, Psalm 91, that says, I love you. I care about you. You're not on your own. He that abideth in the shadow of the Almighty, he that dwells in the safest place, I got you covered. But when a scribe came to the name Jehovah and he wanted to write the name Jehovah, here he is at his desk. He's got his ink and his quill and his stuff. To him. When he came to Jehovah, he had to get up from his desk. He had to go wash himself, change his garment, Come back and get a new pen because you could not write the name Jehovah with a pen that had written any other word. And you could not write it with the dirt on you from writing common language. That's how important Jehovah is in God's language. So we see the name Jehovah. He is the Lord. He is the God who exists. He is eternal. He is immutable, unchanging God whose promises can never be broken. And the fourth one we have is Elohim, creator God. He is the creator of heaven and earth. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was out, formed, bored, darts upon the face of the deep. Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. It's all his. He spoke it all into existence. Everything that is is there because of the voice of God. Except for you and I as mankind, he formed that with his own hand. And he breathed the breath of life into man. So he is creator of all things possessor of all things and redeemer of those who come to him so what does what the writer says here in psalm 91 he says that i have a shelter he says that you have a shelter we we have a shelter that that no matter what you're facing no matter what's going on in your life no matter the trouble the trial no matter if anybody knows nobody knows or everybody knows no matter what is going on around you we have a shelter that is our possession, he is our provision, he is our protection, and he is our power. That's what the psalmist says. God, I get the band. You guys come on over. If I get the band. Matter of fact, GW, your arm's tired yet? You, you guys go ahead. If you don't mind, help, help him get back in. Y'all go ahead. Let me, get, let me get the band up here. While they're coming, let, let me ask you this morning. Is anybody, you, you don't have to raise your hands for any of these. 
It's just a question. Is anybody carrying a burden that you desperately need to get rid of? Anybody carrying a burden that's keeping you beat down, weighted down, you just can't carry? Can, can, can I even pause on that for a minute? Burdens are not designed to weight you down. Burdens aren't designed for you and I to carry. They're designed for us to put into the trust of the Father. They're, they're, designed to, they're designed to drive us into the shadow of the Almighty. They're designed to drive us to our knees. They're designed to drive us on our face before God. They're designed to drive us into reading the Word effectively, daily, so that we draw nigh unto Him and He'll draw nigh unto us. Burdens aren't designed to beat you down. They're designed to strengthen our relationship with Him. I wonder if there's anybody dealing with a situation you just need for God to help you with it. I wonder if there's anybody that maybe you just need to hide from the enemy for a while. The enemy's been beating you down. Well, if you don't mind, you turn that light off, please. Okay, y'all still out there. I couldn't tell. I thought maybe everybody left. Maybe, maybe some of you just need a place to be safe for a while. Just a place to hide from, from the darts of the enemy. I, I wonder if there's anybody that needs help with, with anything. Anything that's, that's bothering you, anything that, that's burdening you, anything that is threatening you, anything that is holding you in bondage. I wonder if there's anything that, that may be holding you in fear. I wonder if there's anything keeping you worried, causing you stress, creating anxiety in your life. I mean, we're living in some troubling times, amen? We're living in some very different times. We have reasons to be upset. It doesn't matter what it is that's pulling you down. It doesn't matter if it's finances. It doesn't have anything to do with COVID. It can be. Maybe it's finances. Maybe it's family problems. Maybe it's children problems. I'm sorry, mom and dad problems. Maybe it's marital problems. Life does happen. Maybe it's, maybe it's an issue at work. Maybe it's a problem communicating, getting along with others. Maybe it's at school. Maybe somebody's bullying you at school. Maybe it is a sickness or maybe it is COVID-19. Maybe it is the isolation. Maybe it is being concealed to your home and can't come to the house of God for fear of COVID-19. Whatever it is, whatever it is, no matter what, if we'll abide under the shadow of the Almighty, Psalms chapter 46 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will we not fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river. <laughs> the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. I'm, I'm going to stop reading right there. I'm going to stop reading right there. No, no matter what, what it is, if you come to God, he says those who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, God will cover you. When God covers you, the enemy cannot find you. And the storm will have no power over you. If I could get everybody just stand for a minute. Altars open for anybody that needs to come and just sit in the shadow of the Almighty. Let me give you a scripture. Psalms 34, 17 says, The righteous cry, the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their trouble. 
the Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken heart and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Yes. Psalms 145:18. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. James 4, 7, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. I'm going to read our text again this morning. I've done something this morning I don't usually do. I've asked them to sing a specific song. Because this song is written about Psalm 91. I love songs that are written about scripture. When you begin to sing scripture... I don't normally get involved in music, and you know that, but this time I've asked them to sing this song. But I want to read one more time this passage before they sing it. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him will I trust. Surely He shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that washeth and that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. It shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give the angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against the stone. Thou tread upon the lion, the adder, the young lion, the dragon, shalt thou trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, Therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me. I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. 